This is Aislinn Koenig from NC State Women's Basketball, and you're listening to Global Women's Sports Radio. Henry Chi here with you, Global Women's Sports Radio. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. Quick reminder, Global Women's Sports Radio now available for your listening pleasure on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, and Radio Public. Download your favorite app and subscribe to Global Women's Sports Radio. You can also participate in our conversations and debates on Facebook. Look for our group, Global Women's Sports Radio, and our like page as well, Global Women's Sports Radio. Coming up, great show on the way for you. I'll be joined by Marin Angus. She has a podcast called Running Poles. They talk softball and other sports as well. You know, I'm curious about softball. You look at the Mary Nutter Classic. You look at the Women's College World Series. The amazing crowds there. Also, the TikTok dance-offs that they do. I mean, it seems like they're having a great time at softball games. I've never actually been to one, though. So let me ask you, have you been to an NCAA or pro softball game? If so, what was that experience like? And would you go back? Hit me up on Twitter, at Henry G Promo. That's H-E-N-R-Y-G-P-R-O-M-O. And tell me about your experience. So I'll definitely be asking her about the atmosphere at softball games. Coming up first, though, to get things started, I'll be joined by a pro women's soccer player for AC Sparta. Her name is Christina Birkenrode. She'll be joining me next right here, Global Women's Sports Radio. Bless up, world. Have you heard about social distancing? You gotta stay at home if you can. This is very serious. We have to stay home. Not just to protect yourself, but to protect others. You don't want to spread the coronavirus in your community. Don't go outside, even if you think you're fine. Stay at least six feet away from other people. Two, arms length. Two arms. Do not hug. Don't shake hands. Yeah, no touching for now. Any avoidable trips, avoid. Nope, not traveling anywhere. Pick up food or get it delivered. Staying home helps lower the risk for everyone. Protect your life, protect your loved ones, and protect the world. We can save lives, okay? Stay at home. Stay at home. Stay at home. That's the key. Just because you're at home doesn't mean that we can't be alone together. 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 Cool. Henry G here with you, Global Women's Sports Radio. Right now, a pleasure to be joined by my first guest, pro women's soccer player. Thank you for joining me. Uh, go ahead, let us know who you are, what you do, and also where we can find you online. Yeah, so my name is Christina Birkenrode. Um, I'm a professional soccer player, currently playing for AC Sparta in Prague. Um, and on Instagram and YouTube and Twitter, you just can Google my name, um, Christina Birkenrode, and I should be the first one up. All right, so to start off, take us back to your journey. Let us know when you first started playing soccer and who were some of the players you looked up to as a youngster? <laughs> I love starting with this. Um, yeah, I mean, as, so I started playing soccer when I was about five years old. Um, I actually was very inspired by my brother, who was just like the ultimate athlete in my eyes. Um, he's a year and a half older than me, and so whatever he did, I did. Um, so he started playing soccer and I just kind of jumped in with him and his team and I started, I was really good from a young age. Um, 
and I loved it, which was the most important. And so I started playing it more, I started studying it more and just like having so much fun with it. And so I started hearing about people like Mia Hamm, which was like my first idol. Um, and I just wanted to emulate her in everything she did. So yeah, I definitely have to say Mia Hamm and my brother were, were my biggest inspirations back then. And you play collegiately at Cal State Fullerton. Let us know where you're from and also what the recruiting process was like for you. Um, so my story is actually about getting recruited was, was, was really different. Um, so, so I got recruited actually out of high school. Um, so I'm from San Diego, California, and I went to Mission Bay High School. And it was my senior year of high school after our, our soccer season has already, has, was already played and I, I didn't have anything lined up. Um, I was going through a lot of troubles off the field, just like family and financial troubles that, um, you know, soccer was always my safe haven, but unfortunately I just didn't have the resources to, to go to college. Honestly, um, I wasn't financially stable enough and I didn't, I didn't really play club. So I wasn't getting that recognition. Um, and so it was so late in the process. Everybody in the country had already, um, it was the time where everybody like already knew where they were going. And it's a funny story. I actually started guest playing with a, a local club team in San Diego. And this was a, a couple weeks before the college season was about to start actually. So it was after my senior year in high school. And the club team that I ended up playing for, guest playing for, um, his, the coach had coached the team who was playing next on the field next to us. And so Brian McManus was his name, the club coach. He ended up talking to Damian Brown, the head coach of Cal State Fullerton, and just telling Damian about me. Just, hey, this girl, she's really good. She hears a little bit of her story though. Um, she's going through some some troubles right now, but hey, if you take her on your, your team, she'll she'll do good stuff. And so Damian ended up contacting me the next day. Um, and remind you, this was like two weeks before summer camp for colleges were going to start. Um, and I ended up going up to Cal State Fullerton in the next couple of days, kind of talking to Damien. And Damien just took a took a chance on me and he signed. Um, he signed and the rest is history. I just I ended up going to camp, being, a, you know, being a freshman in college, um, staying in the dorms and yeah, so again, my, my recruiting process was unlike anybody else's. Uh, it was just really special. It was really crazy, to be honest, like looking back at it. So I'm not really sure about like how the normal recruiting process is, unfortunately, but that's my story about it. So we also got questions for you from Facebook and Twitter. This one from Greg Morrison at Morrison Labs, who wants to know what's the biggest difference between playing professionally for AC Sparta and in college at Cal State Fullerton? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, I mean, I think playing professional is just a lot, it's a lot different than playing collegiately. Um, when you're in college, you're there for four years. You become so ingrained in a, in a in a culture um, that the school has provided and that the team has provided. And, um, you know, you're, it's, it's very much financially taken care of. 
universe, the university system in America has so much money. Um, and so I would just say the biggest difference is, is the financial stability that the universities have that are able to take care of the players, um, you know, travel expenses, food, living situations, um, like, uh, travel expenses, like I said, and, um, really just financially being able to take care of the players. And when you get to a professional league, um, women's sports, especially here in Europe, aren't that financially secure. And so I would say the biggest difference is just the financial security that these teams can provide for us. Now, the next question for you is also from Twitter. Where is your soccer game improved the most from when you were in college? <laughs> yeah, I, I read that actually. I would, I would definitely say that I've just grown so much in my soccer IQ as I've played professionally in all these different cultures and stuff. Um, I think in college, I mean, in college, everything went by so fast. And, you know, I really just, I relied on my athleticism. I relied on just focusing on one goal and, and, and going after it. And um, so as I, as I went pro and experienced other soccer cultures and other cultures in the world, honestly, I think I've just expanded my mind so much that I've, I think I've listened more than I've spoken. And I think just taking everything in and kind of embracing all that, the, the newness of everything has really just opened my eyes and, and allowed me to watch so many other great players and learn from them. And so I would definitely just say my, my soccer IQ has just grown so much from college. Um, and I'm, I'm so much more confident in, in, in that way. So, so yeah, definitely just soccer IQ for that question. And another question for you from Twitter. What do you miss being overseas and what do you like? Um, like, what do I miss from America? Right, yeah. What do you miss about being in the States? Um, well, I definitely miss the culture of California. Um, just being by the ocean. Um, I do miss... I, I mean, I miss my family so much. Um just being so far away from home is hard, but I really love the, the European culture of just almost like, like working to live. Um, I think it's a bit like the pace of life here is a bit slowed down, um, especially, you know, way, way slower than Los Angeles, <laughs> as I'd say, but, um, but yeah, just, I, I love the pace of life here. It's just like a, a good pace. It's not slow, it's not fast. But I, I mean, also it's just different because I don't speak this language. And so I definitely miss just like being able to go to a store and speaking English and just, I miss the, the friendliness of Americans. So at least in California. Um, and here it's, I mean, it's friendly. I'm in Prague, Czech Republic. People aren't too friendly. I guess not as friendly as I'm used to. So I get, stared at a lot for saying hi to somebody walking down the street <laughs> but so i definitely miss that about, about california now the next question comes from chris telemontes on facebook he wants to know why ac sparta over england france or holland um i mean i think there's there's a lot of pros and cons about every league in europe but um you know at the time where i needed a team this team presented itself um i had 
there were five other Americans here. There was just so much that appealed about this team that I was immediately drawn to it. Um, like they play in Champions League, um, they're fairly successful. There was five other Americans, which was huge for me coming from a team in Norway that had only one American and um, a little less of a driven mindset, I would say. Um, and yeah, there's just so many things that appealed to me and, and the city here is just amazing. I mean, if you haven't been to Prague, you definitely need to go at some point. Um, yeah, and like I said, there's just so many pros that I missed so much from a from a soccer standpoint. So it just really appealed to me and I it was one of the only opportunities I had. And so I just kind of took it and ran with it. It just felt right. And the next question for you again from Facebook, any dual citizenship or eligibility to play for national teams? Um, I would love to potentially play for the Mexican national team. Um, I'm half Mexican and I know a couple players on the team, so I'm not sure if that could be something that could be potential in the future. Um, but no dual citizenships. I am able to get a Mexican citizenship and I'm actually working on it. So hopefully something can come about that in the future. And talk a little bit about the decision-making process and deciding to play overseas. I know after high school, a lot of young people, male and female athletes, are presented with an opportunity to play overseas. Some of them do, some of them don't. Again, after college, uh, some of them are presented with the opportunity to play internationally. Uh, so how, how tough of a decision was it for you? And take us through that process. Yeah, so um, so for me, it's never been a question of of where I'm gonna, or I guess it's never been a question of if I'm gonna take the jump and if I'm gonna play, it was more of a question of whoever was gonna give me the opportunity, that's where I was gonna go. And, you know, I do think if you're a player that is like me and, and you haven't kind of been in that US women's national team pool growing up, um, you can't really be that picky. Um, you just kind of have to change your mindset and, um, and kind of decide right now if you do want to play you have to be so open to opportunities and taking risks and kind of just jumping into the unknown um it's a very it's a really scary thing it is but experiencing these other cultures and experiencing this this uh, other side of soccer in europe is has been one of the best decisions i've ever made um and it was a very scary thing leaving the pride because out of out of Cal State Fullerton, I ended up getting drafted to the Pride and staying there for two seasons. And um, by the end of it, I just wasn't, I wasn't as mentally confident as I should have been. Um, I knew there were parts of me as a person and me as, as a player that needed to really grow in order to thrive there. And, um, and so I actually started talking to some of the older players um i remember a conversation with ashlyn harris actually um and i was just like here's my situation like alex is coming back from, from france i know my position is going to be taken i know my spot's going to be taken what should i do like should i try to switch teams in the nwsl and she said one of the best things she's ever done was was go abroad and you know as a rookie hearing that and only say only have been to america um you know, I've never left America at that time, so I was really nervous and really scared. But if I wanted to continue my career and expand my mind and, and 
just my my mind as a player and person, I needed I needed to take that jump. And so I got an agent and you know, her advice just really pushed me to to take that jump. And so I ended up getting an agent, kind of told him my situation, and within the next month he found me a team and I was on a plane I was on a plane over there and um and it was it was really nerve-wracking for sure but it, at the same time it went by so fast that i couldn't i didn't really have time to think and i kind of just followed my instincts and i was just like okay this feels right i'm gonna take it i'm gonna do it and i just kind of went with it so like i said in the beginning it's just it's not really a matter of of you know if i'm gonna play i always knew i wanted to play it's just where you know who is going to give me the opportunity and in your international travels what are some of the coolest places you've had an opportunity to check out experience or go see yeah that's a that's a fun question um yeah there's actually been a few so when i was in norway well like i said like before i went overseas to play soccer i had never traveled abroad with my family um we just never really had that money growing up um and so everything was so new it was crazy so when i was in norway i was in northern norway and me and a teammate actually ended up going to these islands off the the norwegian coast they were called lofoten mountains and it was this massive mountain range and the ocean around it was the clearest blue i've ever seen um and it was just so amazing and coming from california where i thought the beaches were beautiful there i went to this island in northern norway and we ended up camping on this beach and it was just the most amazing scenery i've ever seen in my life we went on hikes to the tip top of mountains we were watching surfers in this icy water like it was just such a dream to me so so that was definitely up there for sure and so I guess another one was just, so last year when I was in Prague, we had a national team weekend off and we had four days off. So I actually ended up going on a solo trip to Croatia, which was so amazing. The people were so friendly. Um, the town, I, I went to Zagreb, which is the capital. And I just, I had such a great time. I explored the city for the first time alone and I just did what I wanted. I walked like, 12 miles a day or like 15 miles a day and it was just like it was just such an experience to do that alone and what about food have you acquired a taste for any unusual or unique food since you've been out there um so actually i've never really been a picky eater like if you put any food in front of me i'll probably eat it the healthier the better obviously for me but um but i do love czech beer i'm not gonna lie czech beer has change the game in my eyes for beer it's just it's it just goes down so easily it's so smooth it's so light it's it's a game changer um but as far as food the weirdest thing i've eaten i think just from coming from like american culture at least like where i grew up so i ended up eating reindeer which was just kind of weird in my eyes <laughs> but it was really good not gonna lie it was it tasted fresh um so i i would say like that takes kind of an acquired taste but other than that i think i think the food i've eaten is, is somewhat normal 
Wow, now I saw you posted a video the other day of every goal you've ever scored in your career. Uh, have you had an opportunity to count how many goals you've scored and also what's the most memorable goal of them all? <laughs> no, so, <laughs> yeah, so I have been vlogging a lot on YouTube. I have so much time. Um, but, so those were, I've been at this club for two and a half years and those were all the goals I scored here at this club. Um, I haven't had a chance to count them. I'm not really sure what my number is at. Um, but I think my, my favorite goal was just, it wasn't even like a nice goal or anything, but I guess it was just the meaning of the goal behind, behind it. Um, we were playing our rivals, Slavia, and it was a derby match and there was a ton of people there and we were tied two to two. And then I ended up scoring. It was just, it, it was just such a nice build up from the back and it just went all over the field. It went from our defense to our midfield, to our forwards, I think back to our midfield. And then somebody played a through ball, somebody laid it off and I just one touched it in from the 18 yard box. And it was just, the meaning behind it was just so powerful just because you can tell there's, there's just so much pride when, when you're playing games like that in Europe, just like a derby match. Um, there's, there's so much pride and so much passion and so, just knowing that I helped the team with that goal was definitely just something I'll remember for the rest of my life. And the next question is again from a fan. Since your season has been canceled, any chance of coming back and playing in the NWSL? That's a great question. I mean, like I said, like in for me, um, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of where. And who gives me an opportunity? And so, if there was an, a, a team in, in the NWSL that offered me something, then yeah, of course I would take it. Um, but I am pretty set right now in staying in Europe. I want to continue to experience cultures here, and the leagues here are just growing. You know, they're just growing and they're just getting better every season. And so, if I can stay here a few more years, then I would, I would love that. But again, it's not. Um, it's not something that I'm very picky about. So wherever the opportunity arises, that's where I'll go. And what do you want to say to the fans? Obviously, we had a lot of questions submitted. Uh, what do you want to say to the fans going all the way back to your days at Cal State Fullerton or the ones who more recently gravitated to you uh, during your international career? Yeah, um, I honestly would just love to say that I'm so thankful for each one of you that just like even care to be a part of my journey and and watch me achieve my goals and just watch me grow as a person and player and, and i'm just so thankful for all you guys um, and i just hope i get to inspire at least one person to help them achieve their goals and, and follow their passions and dreams so that's yeah just a huge thank you and you've overcome a lot of hardship and tragedy during your lifetime so uh, to what do you attribute your ability to stay focused motivated and achieve your goals um I would definitely attribute it to the people I've had around me that just help me remind me of, of who I am and who I can be and who I have the potential to be. So I'm thankful for all the people around me that just like have had a little part in my journey. Um, and I would definitely just, I think something that's kept me going is, is just knowing what I want and being clear about my goals and kind of just going after it relentlessly. Um, 
there's definitely, you know, phases in life where I feel unclear about my goals and, and then I have somebody in my life remind me of, of who I am and what I want and, and what I'm good at. And, and so I would definitely just say being clear about my goals and, and the people around me just help me stay focused so much. And tell us about your music playlist. What type of music do you listen to when you're out traveling or at the gym working out? And then what do you listen to before games to get you in the zone and ready to play? Yeah, so my my playlist ranges from like Christian music to rock to rap to pop. I literally have everything on there. Um, so before a match, actually, I tend to listen to more um if it's a couple hours before, I tend to listen to more like slower music, kind of like deeper music that almost like sad songs, if you will. Like it just kind of brings the, the passion out of me. Um, and then once it gets closer to, to game time, I like listening to Eminem. I like listening to Drake. Drake's a huge one for me, actually. Um, and then I like to listen to a lot of um, just like Avicii, Kygo type music, just really get the locker room going. Um, most like EDM so so that's yeah but I would definitely say I like rap like I love Eminem I love great um people like that I like Meek Mill <laughs> I like I like all those tunes and you mentioned you've been doing a lot of vlogging so tell us what you're working on and what you have coming up that we could be looking forward to from you here in the near future yeah so um so I guess my blog is just based on my life motto, like better every day. So there's a lot of just my daily life and daily routine that I do. Um, a lot of health hacks, what I eat as a professional athlete. Um, I love to, you know, make make good food. I love to have good conversations with, with friends and teammates and just show what I do for training. Um, and like I said, show a lot of just like my everyday, day-to-day real life things. Um, I actually just, I just recorded an introduction vlog because I realized I didn't do that. So I kind of have a vlog saying who I am, why I started this channel and, and just where I've been in the past to where I am now. Um, and look, stuff to look forward to in, in the future is just a lot of my adventures. Um, you know, it's kind of a crazy time right now with this quarantine. And so there's just so much time for adventures and so much time for training and, I'll be heading back to California in the next few weeks, so my adventure back there, it'll be a huge, huge, huge vlog. So, <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. And also tell us something about you that probably your average Facebook or Instagram follower doesn't know about you. <laughs> okay, actually, I have I have one on the top of my mind. Uh, this is like my go-to, tell me something I don't know about you answer. Um, yeah, so I actually have stayed in the Amish for a few days <laughs> um, when I had family that actually lived in the Amish for a few years and so I got to visit them and just hang out in the Amish and it was just so much different than California that's for sure um, it was pretty wild living in a place with no electricity um, it was just so old school so I think that's a fun fact just like being involved in the Amish community. And is there anything we didn't have an opportunity to talk about that you want to say to fans and listeners here on Global Women's Sports Radio? Um, yeah, I guess just about like 
women's sports in general like i'm just so happy that you know all these sports are just starting to grow and all these women are are just a huge thank you to all these women that are paving the way and just using their platforms for the greater good of women's sports and and um just women in the world and so um so i'm just so happy to see that i know with like wmba um, i know a lot of the u.s national team players are like just speaking out so much and kind of putting their voice on the line and using their platform as such a good resource and i'm just i just hope i can do my part small part of of you know just paving the way for future women athletes so paving the way for the younger generation and so yeah that's a huge huge topic that i'm very proud about or very proud of um so yeah that's a little something i'd say and real quick, true or false, going all the way back to the days of Pele, the best player on the soccer team was number 10 or number 9? <laughs> um, well, I guess number 9 and number 10 typically scored most of the goals, a lot of the goals, or at least have some kind of contribution to the goals. Um, and so I think that if you score goals or, or are part of the goals a lot, then then you are considered one of the best players at least. So I think there's a little bit of truth in that, but I also know some some other numbers, some center backs, some outside mids that are just amazing. So there's a little bit of truth and there's a little bit of, of, of false in that. Now, I also wanted to see if you'd like to weigh in. I recently had an opportunity to speak to some women's soccer players at Arizona State University. I asked them, who's the greatest women's soccer player right now? Some of the names they mentioned, Julie Ertz, Kristen Press. They also said Carly Lloyd, but I would probably have to throw Megan Rapino in the mix as well. What do you think? Who do you got? Um, yeah, I mean, all those players are amazing. I think Julie Ertz and I think Kristen Press are, I mean, Julie Ertz had a standout season she had a standout year and so i definitely think she's just such a strong player um such an attribute to the team and i do think kristen press she just comes in and uses her minutes and moments so well i mean she comes in and she's a game changer whether she's giving an assist or scoring a goal she just she's perfected her moments so i think i think both of those players are amazing Lastly, I just wanted to get your overall thoughts on the growth we're seeing with soccer. Uh, the MLS has been extremely aggressive in expansion, so we're seeing huge crowds in cities like Atlanta, Seattle, and Portland. Uh, your thoughts overall, the soccer in the U.S. has grown to, I would say, a level that a lot of people didn't think was possible here in the U.S. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, people are definitely missing their sports, especially soccer. Um I do think that once this is all over, um, I think once the quarantine is over, it'll be back and it'll be as popular as ever. Um, I think people will have like a new appreciation for it, players and fans. And so I just I'm excited to see where things grow after this whole pandemic. Henry G here with you, Global Women's Sports Radio. Special guest Christina Birkenrode, professional soccer player for AC Sparta. Coming up next, Marin Angus. She has a podcast called Running Poles. She'll be joining me. We'll be talking softball. You look at the huge crowds at events like the Mary Nutter Classic and Women's College World Series. She'll tell us what the atmosphere is actually like at live softball events. We'll also talk a little bit about National Pro Fast Pitch Softball and some of the challenges they face in trying to convert 
college softball fans to pro softball fans, all that and more. Lastly, Christina, pleasure having you on. Thank you for joining me. Go ahead, give us the links. Let us know where we can find you on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah, just look up my name, Christina Birkenrode. And you should be able to find me on all those platforms. But yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great. It's been a good talk. champions and keep winning until we not only become the best female soccer team but the best soccer team in the world and that a whole generation of girls and boys will go out and play and say things like I want to be like Megan Rapino when I grow up and that they'll be inspired to talk and win and stand up for themselves and I believe that we will make our voices heard and TV shows will be talking about us every single day and not just once every four years and that women will conquer more than just the soccer field like breaking every single glass ceiling and having their is carved on that Rushmore, and then we'll keep fighting not just to make history, but to change it forever! My first love will be basketball. By the time I was 11, I was the best player in the city. In the county. In the state. People are gonna remember my name. I'm gonna make it rain. I'll pull up from 30. Thread the needle. Razzle dazzle. Set the table. Splash. Break the dishes. I'll take my team to state. All four years with a 4.0. I'll go D1. I'll go D1, no problem. In college, I'll be third team All-American. First team All-American, three times. Two Final Fours. Three straight Final Fours. Back to back to back. I'll be Big East second team. Big East player of the year. Most points in school history, most steals in school history, most free throws, most triple doubles, and minutes played. And, and I'll, I'll get, get drafted, drafted in the first, first round. round. My rookie contract, $4 million. My rookie contract? will be $40,000. Henry G here with you, Global Women's Sports Radio, right now joined by my next guest to talk softball. Thank you for joining me. Let everyone know who you are, what you do, and also where we can find you online. I'm Marin Angus, and I am one half of Running Poles, which is a new podcast. And you can find us online at runningpolespodcast.com or on all of the social medias at Running Poles Pod. So to start off, give us a little bit of background. Tell us the concept of the show. Do you really drink while you're recording? And what are some of your favorite beverages to consume during the show? Yes, yeah, so... The idea started about, honestly, a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago. And my friend and I were talking about starting a podcast and we said, let's just go ahead and do it. And we did it. We were talking late one night. She lives in Scottsdale and I'm in Nashville. And it was about maybe midnight Nashville time. And we said, well, let's come up with a name. So we came up with a name. And then by the next morning, we had a domain, all social medias reserved, and we're working on a logo. So when the logo was being designed, we said, well, we should incorporate beer since we're going to drink during the show. And we did. So we incorporated beer into the logo. And yes, we do actually drink while we record. 
that is part of the concept of the show. So our tradition is that at the beginning of every show, we are going to talk about what we're drinking and we ask our guests what they're drinking. So through our first episode, it turned out that both of us were drinking Trulies from a country apart. And <laughs> they were just different flavors. But I am a big craft beer fan. So I was shouting out to Four Peaks because I miss that so much. And I wish I could get it in Tennessee and I can't. And um, and then I think throughout throughout our show, I'll talk about some local beers out of Tennessee and We've got a hockey episode coming up soon, so I'll start talking about my Canadian beer that I can't get in the States, and it'll it'll be fun. So I'll be honest. I listened to your first show. I had no idea what to expect. The first thing you talked about was a coach at DePaul, which it just, like, completely blew my mind. Tell us about that. Isn't that story crazy? <laughs> this story broke uh, just a few days ago, and... The then head coach at DePaul, he, he hasn't been at DePaul in a couple years, but uh, he they filed, so a former employee of the university filed a, a lawsuit and it alleges that he punched an associate head coach in the face and that you know, he would call his players names and a lot of them would come to the, the school, psycho, the sports psychologist and they were telling her what he was saying and what they were seeing and when she reported it to the administration it turns out that the softball coach's sister is the athletic director so everything was being swept under the rug until finally it came to a head and he abruptly retired and nobody really knew why it was he'd been there for 40 years it was shocking and now this lawsuit has come to light and he is now the assistant coach at Auburn. And Auburn had just gotten over a major scandal, their softball team, a couple years ago. So it's been keeping us highly entertained during this quarantine offseason. Wow, that's insane. Now tell us a little bit about you and your involvement in sports. Yeah, so I have been a sports writer since high school, and I say that uh loosely in high school because I, I grew up in a suburb of Nashville and I started writing when I started the school newspaper and it just it was something I always wanted to do and and then from there the local paper had me covering my high school sports including softball that I was playing they would just have me write something up after the game and send it in and then that kind of just progressed it, by my senior year of high school I was covering the NHL for a regional hockey magazine and then into college I went to Arizona State for a couple years and ended up covering the at that time it was the NHL Pacific Division um, and I would cover the Coyotes and, and whoever else came to town and then I my love was baseball I thought I wanted to cover baseball I worked for a magazine based in Tennessee uh, covered whatever Major League Baseball player grew up in Tennessee or currently lived in Tennessee. I would find a story and I would find a way to make it happen. And then when I graduated college, I 
started working at the Tennessean and ended up becoming the backup beat reporter for the Predators. A great experience. Awesome. I, I love hockey. Uh, it's my second sport to softball. And, and by the time I knew what was happening, softball was kind of exploding. And I thought, hey, maybe now's the time for me to start covering softball. And so I, I did. I started covering softball and last year I started Softball America, which is part of the Baseball America brand and um, you know, it just it it didn't share the same vision that I had. So I decided that it was time to do my own thing and here we are with running poles, which is exactly what I envisioned. It's perfect. It's us being honest and blunt. And we can talk about alcohol and we can talk about we can talk about the the controversy and the scandals within the sport and not have to worry about being polite about it. We can just be ourselves. And you know, we just we're not gonna make it all softball all the time either. So like I said, we've got a hockey episode, we've got a football episode coming up as well. It's great. It's gonna it's awesome. Now, for the casual fan like myself, I've never been to a game, but I see the huge crowds at the Mary Nutter Classic and the Women's College World Series, also the TikTok dance-offs. Tell us what the atmosphere is actually like when you attend a live softball game. It's a giant party. I swear. I tell people all the time that softball is a giant party. From the second you get to the ballpark, people are tailgating everywhere. And... The SEC has good tailgates. The Pac-12 has good tailgates. The best tailgate I've been to out of everybody was at Texas last year before they played Oklahoma. Uh, that was awesome. And so it's just, it's a giant party all the way around. And then once you get everybody into the stands, it just carries over. And it's just so much fun to watch these athletes compete at such a high level. And the games, they go by so quickly, and sometimes you wish they didn't. But it really is, it is, I, what I think, it's, it's the best of both worlds. Because if you're a baseball fan, then you're going to love softball because it's very similar in that aspect. And then you just, it's just, and it's quick. So you don't have to sit on your couch for three hours and you watch a baseball game. You can sit on your couch if you're watching at home for an hour and a half. And who are some of the players you'd say you most enjoyed covering over the course of the past few years? From a coverage perspective, some of my favorite players that, that I've been able to watch have been Paige Lowry and, oh man, there's so many, Miranda Ellish and Abby Cheek. So those I think those are definitely three of my favorites. Abby Cheek was probably my favorite player for three years and I felt like she was so underrated when she was at Kentucky and she there was something about her swing something about her style of play that I was just like this girl is it and why people don't give her credit I don't know and then her senior year she becomes the SEC player of the year and I I still have a poster in my office of her and give us the meaning behind the name of your podcast running polls yeah, so we came up with the name Running Poles because 
as T and I are both so- we're we were both softball players at some point, and every time you get in trouble, you run poles, right? So coach is pissed off at you. Oops, can I say that on this? Yeah, it's all good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, coach, you know, coach is upset. He's going to make you run pulls. You do something wrong on the field, he's going to make you run pulls. And then there are things that sometimes you just keep inside and you keep it to yourself because you know if you say it, you're going to end up running for it. And that's the kind of atmosphere we wanted to create on this podcast is that we can say what we want to say that would make us run pulls, but you know, we're not playing anymore, so we don't have to run. So if you could give us an example of something that would have caused you to run polls if you would have pointed it out or been vocal about it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I remember in high school specifically, my coach used to do the three-ball drill, and it was the worst thing ever created. So our entire team would have to start at third base and field the ball cleanly or knock it down and keep it in front of you, make a good throw to first base, and first base would have to throw home, and everybody had to go through, and you only had three balls, right? So there would be times where we had this one player specifically who could not feel the ground ball to save her life, and we would run poles forever because she, she would always miss them, and so you only have three balls to get through your whole team at third base, shortstop second base and first base so you're not just three balls each position it's three balls for everybody everywhere right Right. terrible concept whoever invented it i curse you um and she would always blow it and i just we would all roll our eyes and not say anything and we would just run nowadays i probably would have said something and i probably would have said something that involved a cuss word and you know like feel the ball you know (laughs) get in front of it knock it down because i'm tired of running and one of the topics you touched on in your first show was conspiracy so tell us that aspect give us the conspiracy aspect (laughs) so t my co-host is way into conspiracy theories about everything so there's always a conspiracy theory to be found and on our first episode, we talked about the conspiracy theory behind the transfer portal, which it really isn't a conspiracy theory because I think most people know about it. But my my thought is that the transfer portal is a cover-up for tampering. And so I kind of dive into that on our episode on why I think it, it enables tampering. Interesting. Now, also tell us about the current state of softball recruiting. What's going on there? Softball recruiting. Oy vey. Um, it, I think right now is just, it's a delicate time, but ironically, I can plug my real job now that you ask. So I work for a company called College Sports Evaluation, and it is a evaluation event that will help with recruiting. And so we take subjective and objective data through companies like Blast. And I think right now we're using Rapsodo, but it'll turn into flight scope. We just, with the, with COVID-19 going on, we're not able to get all of our flight scope products. But anyway, so we set up 
within our region and we bring in girls who are looking to be evaluated at what they're at and where they think they should go to school and then we also have college coaches come in and run this evaluation process and at the end of this event after you you take your tests and you'll get a booklet and it'll it'll tell you you know what you were evaluated at based on the numbers and based on the coaches wow so it sounds like you actually really have it down to a science these days it is it is it's super cool i'm i'm excited to get started it's just hard because with with the pandemic and the stay-at-home orders everywhere we can't really hold events so we're just waiting for all those to be lifted now, with the television success of the Women's College World Series, why hasn't that increased, really, the popularity of National Pro Fast Pitch? I believe they only have five teams. Uh, why haven't they been able to sustain and have more success? There's a disconnect between the college fan and the professional fan. And I, I don't understand why. And I think some of it may have to do with the fact that when you are an average fan of your college like you love or you attend games for so many different sports for that college that you're a fan of right because of because of the letters on the front of the jersey so now when you have the professional game they're no longer part of that college program and for some reason those fans that watch them and love them in college just maybe they're just the average softball fan and they and they enjoy watching them while they're in school but it just doesn't translate and it's sad because they're still the same athletes and they still went to your school that you're a fan of but it just doesn't it doesn't translate it doesn't convert and I just we're we're trying to figure it out but you know at the same time the NPF is young and you know it's 17 years old it the WNBA wasn't successful in its first 20 years so when we look at that we understand that there's still room to grow and there's there's still room to support women's sports and I recently interviewed the commissioner of National Pro Fast Pitch Sherry Kemp shout out to her on all the incredible work she's doing but she was brought up several times that U-Triple-S-A, the governing body, taking their team and basically, in her words, taking their ball and going home. So your thoughts on U-Triple-S-A taking their team out of National Pro Fast Pitch? As much as I would have loved for them to stay in the NPF, you're going to get me started on a whole nother tangent here. Um, the U-Triple-S-A Pride and Scrapyard Dogs were, or they were the Scrapyard Dogs when they were in the, the NPF, but now they're Scrapyard Fast Pitch. Um, they were involved in a lawsuit with the NPF and USA Softball. And it, the, the Pride and Scrapyard have been discussing creating their own, their different league. And they were working with USA Softball and trying to get that started. And so finally, U-Triple-S-A Fast Pitch had been struggling monetarily like with their money last year and they were a couple of the girls are getting late payments and just and they were late paying their league fees and finally they just they they pulled out of the league and um you know i think 
I think it that the league is will survive without them. And you know, I I look at USA and I think, wow, what a great organization. But why do you have your professional softball team playing on a baseball field? Well, I didn't realize that. That makes no sense. Crazy. Not when you when you build that space coast and you've got all that you've got all that space. You have all those fields down there and you didn't build a softball field for your pro team to play on. I, that just doesn't make sense to me. Also wanted to get your thoughts. Softball in the Olympics. Softball was supposed to be in the Olympics in 2020. Obviously, COVID-19, that's not happening. Push back to 2021. But talk about the ramifications. They're saying some players might have to miss parts of their collegiate season to play in the Olympics. Tell us about that. Yeah, we saw this year that the three players from Team USA that are currently in college did not suit up for their collegiate programs this year and I would really hate to see that happen again because as someone who did their four years in college you know it's it's an experience and I never was an Olympian or even came close but I just think that if you're if you're still in that age group where you're like hey you know what I can I still got class I've still got classes to take and I want to finish my career in a timely fashion. Like Rachel Garcia is already redshirted once for an injury. So if she redshirts again for another year, but if she decides to come back to UCLA and play, you know, she's going to be 24, 25. And then you're going to have a 20, you're going to have someone her age playing against, you know, 18 year olds. Wow, I never even thought of that. Now, tell us something you personally witnessed either while you were covering or playing softball that would just blow people's minds. What do you got? Drop a gem on us. Dude, men's fast pitch, actually. I saw saw a king in his court play back when I was 10. And that is one of, and if, if you're on your computer or on your phone, you can Google a king in his court fast pitch. That is something that absolutely blew my mind. It was a team of four players that would play against full rosters and they would tour around the country and beat them. Like a team of four would beat full rosters of teams. It was crazy. That actually was the most mind-blowing thing I've ever seen in my life for softball. And if you could tell us a little bit about your co-host on Running Polls. What's her background and tell us about her experience. So T. Statman, uh, she played at the University of Arizona. She graduated last year, played in the Women's College World Series. And she is originally from Scottsdale, Arizona. We met when we played on the United States. States Maccabi national team and we ended up playing softball in Israel in 2017 together and she is currently on the Israeli women's national team and I am the director of operations for the Israeli national team and go ahead and give us the links one more time let us know where we can find you online it is runningpolespodcast.com and runningpolespod.com on all of the social media platforms. 
And give us your individual links for social media as well. And you can find me at Marin underscore Angus. And you can find T at T Statman. Anything we didn't have an opportunity to talk about that you want to say to fans and listeners here on Global Women's Sports Radio? I think that, you know, our podcast is, is different than what's out there. You know, we we are both very much um, inspired, I say inspired loosely by the by the idea of Barstool and being able to be yourselves and talk sports, but also talk life. And I think that there is a, there is a space for women to be themselves without having to filter. And that's just what we're doing. And that's what we want to push across. Henry G here with you, Global Women's Sports Radio. That's it for me. Special thanks to Marin Angus of the Running Pulse podcast. Also to Christina Birkenrode of AC Sparta. Now, lastly, I'm going to give you an opportunity to have the last words. Now, you look at basketball. People look at women's basketball. A lot of people aren't drawn to it because they say it's not athletic. The women aren't athletic. They can't dunk. You look at softball. They really did it right. They took the strengths and weaknesses of the, the athletes participating and they tailored the game specifically to them. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I love softball. I just think that you know, with with the sport growing at the rate that it is, it's having a hard time adjusting to having the good with the bad. And we're not trying to harp on the bad, but we also are going to talk about the bad when it happens, when others won't talk about it. You know, not all sports can survive in a positive light. And, the, you know, what, what did they say? Any press is good press. So we're going to talk about it all. So, Justin, I was playing that video game Forest Brigade, and it was pretty cool. I was running down this, like, digital path, and I met this digital frog. He was all like... And I went playing in this virtual stream where this water... It looked almost real. It was this whole electronic forest world. So what did you do? Well, my parents took me to the forest. The real forest. Where I was running down this... Well, it was an actual path. Then I saw this real-life frog. It was all, like, ribbit. And I saw an owl, too. Then I played in this amazing stream with water around my ankles. Like, wet water. Then me and my sister and my parents sat around a campfire and told cool stories all night long. Oh, that's, uh, pretty cool, too. This weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.